0: Welcome to the 31st edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News for this Thursday, November 1st, 2018. This is Jenna, hoping you all had a safe and happy Halloween. (laughs) Speaking of scary things, truly frightening and scary things. This month's edition focuses on harassment of lesbians at pride parades and dyke marches around the globe last June that drew tens of thousands of participants. Supporters of gender ideology attacked lesbians at the San Francisco Dyke March, both physically and online afterwards. Vancouver lesbians were also met with extreme hostility and harassed and yelled at for being, quote, turf bigots, and were later branded a, quote, hate group by the event organizers. In London, gender identity activists shouted misogynistic slogans at the lesbians who took to the front of the march with their signs that said, quote, trans activism erases lesbians, and lesbian, not queer. In Baltimore, genderists shouted hateful slogans and stalked lesbians marching in the city's pride parade. Pro-Dyke action at these parades was risky, but worth it. Lesbians and feminists around the globe responded in a surge of support, and plenty of unaware women were jolted into reality. We'll hear an excerpt of an interview April did with Danielle and Eileen of the Vancouver-based Lesbian Collective. We'll also hear excerpts of an interview Thistle did with Giovanna Capone, Vanessa and Sherry, three lesbians that marched together at the San Francisco Dyke March on June 23rd of this year. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. Today's edition started off with Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill. Here's Julia with women's news from around the globe for this Thursday, November 1st, 2018.
1: Second wave feminists experimented with different spellings of the word woman in order to center women in our own word. These gynocentric forms include WOMYN, W-I-M-M-I-N, and WOMON among many others. Recently, men argued that the traditional word WOMAN is selfish, arguing that this spelling excludes men who identify as women. These men favor a new spelling, WOMXN, an unpronounceable affront to women's linguistic existence. To quote Ophelia Benson, quote, the word woman does not need to be a bit more inclusive, just as women don't need to be colonized by men. End quote. The UK organization Standing for Women recently illuminated London with the words woman, noun, adult, human, female projected on the walls of the Royal Opera House and BBC headquarters. Posey Parker, leader of Standing for Women, fundraised enough money to advertise this dictionary definition on billboards in Birmingham, Liverpool, and Leeds. One man, who does not identify as transgender, claimed the billboard in Liverpool would make other men feel unsafe, saying the dictionary definition of woman was, quote, transphobic hate speech, end quote. Parker called him out on live TV, saying, quote, what you and your misogynistic allies are seeking to do is to erase what it means to be a woman in law and in life and that is why this campaign has been absolutely essential end quote misogynists in london attacked northcliffe house a building in which the daily mail the metro and the independent newspapers all operate so-called transgender activists blocked the exits and threw smoke bombs at the doors Terrified employees tried to evacuate but found it, quote, extremely difficult to leave the building, end quote. This act of domestic terrorism was supposedly in protest of an advertisement by Fair Play for Women, a feminist organization campaigning to maintain women's sex-based rights. A male teacher at Chasco Middle School in Florida refused to supervise the boys' locker room because a teenage girl who identifies as transgender was permitted by the school administration to use facilities designated for male students. The teacher said he, quote, will not knowingly place himself in a position to observe a minor female in the nude or otherwise in a state of undress, end quote. For refusing to observe a female student shower in the boys' room, the male teacher was transferred to a different school. Stephen Terrence Wood, also known as Karen White, was sentenced to life in prison for raping female prisoners. Wood identified as female in order to be transferred from a men's prison to a women's prison. His previous convictions of rape, sexual assault, indecent exposure, and gross indecency involving children were not considered prior to his transfer. This male rapist, like many other male rapists, provides a prime example of the ease with which male predators can manipulate gender identity. Nine women in California are suing a women's shelter for failing to protect them from a male sexual predator. The Pavarello House in Fresno admitted a man who identified as transgender. The lawsuit states that this man made, quote, sexually inappropriate comments, end quote, and sexually harassed women seeking refuge. Shelter staff threatened women with expulsion if they did not shower naked with this man. Workers at the shelter did not want to risk losing federal grant money, so they risked the safety and sanity of vulnerable women instead. Indigenous women in Canada are going missing, but the investigation into this epidemic fails to name the problem. Male violence against Indigenous women is generalized and deprioritized by Justin Trudeau's inquiry. Activist Cherry Smiley says, "Quote." The National Inquiry is not the inquiry that so many indigenous women fought for for so long. The inquiry we have today is unfortunately a reflection of modern, depoliticized politics that promote ideas of inclusivity and grief at the expense of focused political goals and action. That the inquiry's foundation puts indigenous peoples and families before women in our own inquiry speaks volumes to the reach of the anti-feminist, woman-hating culture we live in today," end quote. Last year, Moira Donegan created the Shitty Media Men List, a spreadsheet that women shared anonymously to document male violence. This resource helped women navigate dangerous situations on and off the job. One of the men listed on the sheet is now suing Donegan for $1.5 million. He claims that being named a violent misogynist causes him emotional distress. Lauren Hugh, writer and journalist, created a GoFundMe campaign for Donegan titled Maura Donegan's Legal Fees slash Expenses. India's MeToo movement ignited earlier this month, with scores of men either being removed or stepping down from positions of power in various branches of government and media. Celebrities used the hashtag Believe Survivors in solidarity with Tanchari Duda, an actress who filed a complaint against her abuser, reviving a 10-year-old case against him. Vrinda Grover, lawyer and feminist activist, said, quote, Until now, we have seen consequences only on the women who complained. This time, the consequences are for those who have committed the misconduct, end quote. This new wave of feminist commotion shook the upper classes in India, but has yet to affect immediate changes on the lives of the vast majority of women and girls. A group of teenage boys and their parents physically assaulted 36 girls aged 10 to 14 for rejecting sexual advances. The girls were playing near their government school in Bihar, India, when a group of boys started harassing them, shouting lewd comments. Police reported that when the girls argued back, the boys left, only to return and, with the help of their parents, drag the girls by their hair and beat them with bamboo sticks and iron rods. Guida, one of the 36 girls who were hospitalized after the attack, said, quote, They had always been teasing us and scribbling dirty words on the walls of our school, end quote. But the girls' reports were not taken seriously by school or government officials. It is unclear whether the six boys and three women arrested for this crime will be listed on India's first national sex offender registry, which was established in September. Salwar Zuri was elected unanimously to serve as the first woman president of Ethiopia. She is currently the only female head of state on the continent of Africa. Her vast experience as a diplomat and ambassador of Ethiopia is a staple foundation to work from in a male-dominated society. She urged the mostly male parliament, quote, to uphold our peace in the name of a mother who was the first to suffer from the absence of peace, end quote. She told other leaders that if they thought she was talking too much about women, she had only just begun. That concludes WLRN's World News segment for Thursday, November 1st, 2018. I'm Julia Beck. Share your news stories and tips with us by emailing wlrnewscontact at gmail.com and let us know what's going on in your world.
2: Hey there, boys. <laughs> we know the last couple months have been freaking insane. All these big, cool, powerful guys are turning out to be, what's the word, habitual predators? Cats out of the bag. Women get harassed all the time. And it's like, dang, is this the world now? But here's a little secret that every girl knows. Oh, this? been the damn world. It's freaky, it's nasty, it's button under the desk pad. But this is our hometown, we'll show you around. Welcome to hell, now we're all in here. Look around, isn't it nice, it's a full nightmare. Ain't it so coo-coo, playing this guess who? And this ain't a girl group. We just travel in a pack for safety. This is how I walk home at night. My dad gave me a pink gun, so there's a lot there. My little trick, if someone's following me, I put my arm up like this, and I go, ah! Because then he'll be like, she's not worth the trouble. Welcome to hell, now you're in our boat. Look at that guy, what is he up to in that trench coat? A maze here, all full of boners. Hey, what was that? Just a cat. Wait, who owns the cat? Could be a trap. Welcome to hell. I
3: guess it but begs the question Whoa, why didn't you say something,
0: baby girl?
2: Well, dang, Double Daddy. We definitely did. For hundreds of years. Aw, man. But I guess you don't want to, like, care. Because it kept happening again. What? And again. Really? And again. <laughs> oh,
4: come
2: on. Hey, uh, just wanted to say, I think what you guys are doing is really cool. I get it. Uh, but you do know that it's like a million times worse for a woman of color, right? Oh god. Thank you.
0: Well, let's get back into this.
2: Now, House of Cards is ruined, and that really sucks. Well, here's a list of stuff that's ruined for us. Parking and walking and Uber and ponytails, bath and nighttime and drinking and hotels and then Nothing good happens in a van. Welcome, Welcome to hell. This isn't news. No, 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 not news. Our situation's been
3: That was a Saturday Night Live segment featuring Kate McKinnon, Cecily Strong, Aidy Bryant, Leslie Jones, Melissa Villasenor, and Sir Sharonin. Next up, we'll hear excerpts of an interview April did with Danielle Cormier and Eileen, two members of the lesbian collective, about the harassment and abuse they suffered at the Vancouver Canada Dyke March this past August. Eileen is a lesbian, a strong advocate for the elimination of oppression, abuse, and violence against women, and considers herself lucky to be in good company with a fantastic, fun, and empowering group of superheroes, the Lesbian Collective. Danielle Cormier is a longtime radical feminist lesbian actively involved in the protecting of female spaces since the mid-90s. Lesbian and feminist allies are encouraged to reach out in solidarity with the Vancouver Lesbian Collective via email at thelesbiansvancouver at gmail.com.
5: Could you talk a little bit about the Lesbian Collective, how it was formed, and what its purpose was or currently is?
6: First of all, this is not my group. We are now a collective, and every member has a vote. And there are several women who have been with me right from the beginning, so there there are now several founding members. What I did is I took advantage of a moment, really, when allies, the amazing women at Vancouver Rape Relief, who have themselves been under serious and sustained attack from trans activists and their supporters for decades now, um, organized an event three years ago inviting Julie Bindel, an invited participant and a speaker. And the event very much centered lesbians, something that just never happens anymore. So I'm very excited. Uh, Honestly, I had not been that excited since Vancouver hosted the Gay Olympics, quite frankly. So I had had the profound privilege of finding out for myself some decades ago now how powerful it is to gather and organize with other women. And this has really stayed with me. And I believe that in a culture
2: that increasingly makes female space taboo, that we should do it
6: more, not less. I was also increasingly worried about the erosion of lesbian culture, spaces, politics, how polarized and divided we had become. And I was angry and sad at what was being done to individual lesbians and to lesbians collectively. So I took advantage of a moment where there would be a lot of lesbians all gathered in the same room with whom I can count on having at least some common ground And I said, I'm starting a radical feminist lesbian group, and I passed around a sign-up sheet. And here we are three years later.
5: According to the website for the Vancouver Dyke March, there is a two-spirit, trans, and intersex persons policy that aims to, quote, contribute to a culture of inclusivity and welcome for two-spirit, trans, and intersex persons and repudiate the efforts of a small minority that wish to exclude two-spirit, trans, and intersex persons from Vancouver Dyke March events, end quote. So when your collective was approached by two event board members before the march started, did they state your double X chromosome t-shirt was offensive to two-spirit, trans, and intersex people? Or did they explicitly say it was non-inclusive of trans women?
6: It was very specific about, uh, we were told that this was an inclusive march, and specifically that our T-shirts, which had our team were superheroes, our lesbian superheroes. Mm -hmm. So we had chosen a a uterus symbol that looked like a superhero crest with the word lesbian on it, and we made T-shirts so that we could wear them. So the message, obviously, was that lesbians are female. So we told that we would have to take those off, that we would have to leave our placards behind, that furthermore, if we, we had any double X symbols, or if we had any Venus or interlocking Venus symbols, these are all female symbols, that we would have to leave them all behind because they excluded trans women. Now, the two board members that approached us, one of them was a trans woman who further reminded us that not all women have vagina.
5: When we talk about inclusivity, why do you think women's emotional physical, psychological needs are always put behind those of men?
6: Well, uh, I guess you know, in a patriarchal society, women's emotional and physical and psychological needs are only secondary to that of men. And women are socialized to cater to the needs of men, children, and others. And women are socialized to care for men and pleasure men at the expense of keeping their own personal needs. So uh, for women, who fought for and continues to assert women's rights and privileges to no longer be put behind those of men has actually improved the lives of grandmothers, mothers, and sisters, all women to enjoy a better life, not just here, but in many parts of the world. So the well-being of women is the well-being of everyone, and generally they are known to nurture and defend their young, these strong traits for the survival of any species. I think that women have made some hard fought for in one game over the last few decades. And I think this is at least partly responsible, if not wholly responsible, for the increasing instances of just brazenly and openly displayed and tolerated acts of misogyny. I think that the uh, increase in violence and degradation both in pornography and prostitution are all at least partly a response to those games, including any and all measures to roll back those games. You know... Uh, Transactivism has created a platform where misogyny and anti-feminist retaliation really can be openly displayed under a new brand called Social Justice Warrior, and I find that quite appalling, I I really do. Because I know that any true social justice movement just would not be so very centered on continuously attacking women. And I think this serves as as a warning to women, you've gone too far. And if you don't stop now, things will get much worse. And by the way, we're going to take back those gains. And you better not complain or we'll give you something to complain about. So you better be quiet. These are not the earmarks of a social justice movement. Mm -hmm. Not by any stretch of the imagination.
5: Ten brave women joined your group during the onslaught of abuse your collective was suffering at the hands of these trans activists during the march. What do you think it'll take to see more women stand up for the rights of lesbians and women in a climate that is so hostile towards women?
6: In the current climate, I think we need to evaluate that one woman at a time. I know what you're talking about. I I felt very isolated at times in this fight, and I felt the urgency of it and the need for all of us to speak out, as well as the certainty that they can't talk for all of us. If we all do it, Mm -hmm. then we can turn this around. But I have also throughout my decades as a feminist watched too many women get sacrificed, women Mm -hmm. losing their careers, women losing their reputations. Eileen and I were just talking about this prior to you calling. There's so much being talked about, you know, poor men losing their reputations in the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. I think that far more women have lost their reputations to transactivism. And that's really a shame. So part of me doesn't want to sacrifice any more women. Another part of me really wants us all to speak out. And then I think there's that middle ground in me, which I tend to think is probably more bang on, that we need to identify that one woman at a time. Some women have more to lose than others. Some women are more at risk and more vulnerable than others. Of course, they have their own voice and can decide for themselves. What the, what the risks are and whether they want to take them. But I don't think we should be in a position to judge them for it. I would also like to add that uh, I think the, the socialization and conditioning of women much earlier and the way uh, women and young, young women are being socialized and conditioned right now is so very concerning. Because it really normalizes the idea that the needs of women are really secondary to that of men. Like uh, what Danielle had mentioned about the Me Too movement, you would still hear somebody from the media that you know it's ruining the reputation of all these men who are being accused. And for that to even be out there, it really, really strongly shows that the needs of women are secondary to that of men. We need to leave it up to them to decide for themselves what the risks are and and whether it's worth it. We also need to make sure that when we resist, that we don't waste that bravery. We have to make our actions count so that the benefits at least match the risks,
5: yeah? The Canadian Civil Marriage Act, passed on July twentieth, two 2005, made it legal for same-sex couples to get married. How do you think we, as Canadians, have gone in that short period of time of being inclusive and accepting of lesbian partnerships in 2005 to now branding lesbian collectives such as yours as hate groups?
6: Yeah, these are words that are being thrown around entirely too much. Come on now. To be branded a hate crime. we've been called Nazis and fascists and oppressors and even misogynists. We're being called misogynists by men, April. Like, that's just, really, this has just gone way, 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 way too far. And these are very serious accusations. And, but, um, and it's also important to see them in the context of uh, measures that have been taken and uh, future measures that are planned as well. There have been changes to the criminal code in, with regards to hate crime that now absolutely make it illegal to perpetrate a hate crime against trans identified individuals, which is fine. Our position is very clear on the fact that no one should be subjected to hate crime and not have full protection under the law. About that, what is up for debate here is what constitutes a hate crime against trans people. And I know that there are measures that are coming to further amend um, hate crime law, both in the criminal code, which covers all of Canada, and in the Charter of Rights. That would, for example, remove intent. So right now, when you challenge someone on the basis of perpetrating a hate crime, there's a burden of proving that, that there, there was an intention to commit harm. If you remove that language, then it becomes about who is accusing you and whether they say they have been harmed by what you did and said or not. Now again, in the current very volatile political climate where the words hate crime, hate group, bigotry, acts of hatred, etc are being thrown around quite liberally that can have a different context. So we're, we're very aware of the fact that not only us, other groups and individuals have been branded hate crime perpetrators and hate groups, and we're not sure that this is all not part of a strategy. I think being may as a hate group or big-edge those are the terms have been used to describe women women are really show a very intolerant opinion and perception of lesbians. And uh, lesbians are targeted with a slurs such as yeah, vegan or Hebrew or perfs. Because lesbians speak up and advocate for sexual autonomy or lesbian women right to determine when with and under what circumstances they engage in sexual activity yeah. and to only engage in sexual activity to which they consent. Lesbians have this right and others who want to infringe on this have called lesbians bigots. If you want to grant anyone a bigot, it might be the very person who has opinion who has this opinion of women and lesbians. So I, I think
5: that should be very clear, who is the biggest. When or how do you think that this turf hate campaign, directed extensively at lesbian women, is going to come to an end?
6: I want to take the opportunity here to say that our collective is extremely proud of this moment. Um, In 2018, let's see if the private dive marches globally, notably in San Francisco, London, and uh, as well as here in Vancouver, without coordinating with each other, without knowing about each other's plans, clearly and loudly all said, we're absolutely not going to allow this to move any further. We're not going to allow this to continue. And we're very grateful for that moment of solidarity and the way it amplifies our own voices. And... That will absolutely continue. More and more women every day are realizing what is going on, that their rights are being infringed upon, and they're getting angry. And I think when women start to get angry and start to get together, historically that's when revolutionary things happen. But power, being what power is, they will never stop with their own volition. We're going to have to make it very clear that it won't be allowed. And that's what we plan to do. And I think it's extensively directed at lesbians because lesbians have been really at the forefront, advocating for sexual autonomy, for liberation of women, and so lesbians have been really been very much the target of a lot of threats and verbal lashing physical and verbal intimidation. What this erosion has meant, and even in the LGBTQ community, we talked about this in our own collective, and we realized that LGBTQ and the ever-increasing added letters that go along with it, none of those categories do not include men anymore. But, again, the good news is that there's us. That's the very reason why this group was started was out of the need to create more female space at a time where that was taboo and, and the other reasons that I mentioned. And we know we're not the only one. We know this because we know our own history as women and as an Fresh class, that whenever things get hard, women continue to organize underground and perhaps in silence and perhaps out of view and carefully. But they don't stop. They continue to do that. So we know there's others like that out there, and we're working on seeing if we can't connect with them. That's kind of one of the things I wanted to put out to make sure that if there are other groups of lesbians or allies that are organizing on this issue, on the issue of protecting female space and protecting lesbian and all women's sexual autonomy, we would love to hear about you. We'd love to know where you are and what you're doing, and we welcome any and all chances to amplify each other's voice. And I think that is going to be what happens. Like I said, there's a lot more women getting angry now. We will reach critical
2: mass.
7: was Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar. Now we turn to an interview Thistle did with Giovanna Capone, Vanessa, and Sherry, three lesbians who attended the June 23rd Dyke March in San Francisco, where they were attacked by transgender activists.
8: I have with me three lesbians who marched at the Dyke March in San Francisco on June 23rd, and they are each going to introduce themselves and talk about how they became interested in going to the Dyke March and uh, their story of what happened at the Dyke March on June 23rd. So, Giovanna, you were going to introduce yourself first. Yeah, I'm Giovanna Capone, and I'm a radical lesbian feminist and librarian and writer and a few other things. And I have been living in Oakland, California, right near San Francisco for many years. And I've participated in the Dyke March almost every year, pretty much. Um, so the Dyke March is on Saturday night, and the Big Day Pride March is on Sunday. And Friday night, there has been a Trans March for the last, I don't know, several years. So the Dyke March was gearing up to happen on June 23rd, and I thought it would be awesome to march this year, and I thought it would be also really important because we have so many issues going around in the community and so many, you know, important, significant things happening. So I put out an email to everybody that I thought might be interested in my uh, Yahoo contact list, and I guess I came up with about 31 lesbians that I thought might want to march, and I emailed everybody an invitation. And um, I guess I heard back from maybe 10 or 12 women that said yes, and there was a couple of women from Facebook that I knew that I also invited. And I talked about, hey, let's bring signs, I'm gonna make a sign that says, lesbian visibility, lesbian power, lesbian pride. Um, and with some discussion about what signs to make. And um, one of the women was Max and she cautioned against me signs. So basically I heard from about 10 or 12 women and some of those women were on Facebook. So we weren't all in the initial invitation conversations it was basically a motley assortment of women from different backgrounds, um, different, somewhat different politics, coming together to march in solidarity because we thought there's safety in numbers. And um, so I made my sign the night before, and then coincidentally that afternoon I was doing a radio program for WLRN, and we were recording that afternoon. So as soon as I finished that radio program on the history of lesbian culture in San Francisco, uh, about a half an hour later, Sherry and Vanessa knocked on my door to get together to go down to the place we were meeting the other women. And we had our signs, and we went down to the BART station, which is the train, and met up with the other women. And... It's a long story, but basically we marched for about an hour, and the whole way there was a very hot day in San Francisco. We were bullied and harassed by an increasingly growing crowd of young women and men claiming to be women marching as lesbians in this parade. It was only about 10 or 12 in our group, and we were not a big cohesive nuclear unit, we were just kind of spread out across the street together. But the harassment began pretty immediately, shouting at us, um, TERFs go home, you know. What uh, made them think that you and, were TERFs? What did your sign say exactly? Well, my, my sign said lesbian pride, lesbian Visibility," lesbian not queer, and I'll let the other women speak for their signs. But, um, so we marched for approximately an hour, and that whole time we were harassed, and um, two of the women were shoved to the ground, and they will be speaking about that. Their signs were torn up. Another woman was shoved also, but I don't believe they took her sign. But there was a, a woman with a bullhorn screaming at us, tear down their signs, tear down their signs, tear down their signs. And the other people complied and tried to go after us and trip us and, uh, you know, basically intimidate us the whole way. So that's what happened. I at a couple of points, I tried to go get a police officer. There were police officers spread throughout the crowd. And I went to get one and bring him back into the crowd because Sherry was getting knocked down and Vanessa was getting knocked down. And the police at first thought that we were the aggressors. They didn't understand what was happening. They thought we were the ones starting the problem. And they almost arrested Max Dasha. They walked her over to the sidewalk and started questioning her as if she was the instigator. So the police were not, <laughs> not very helpful. Um, <clears throat> I guess that's all I'll say for now. There's a lot more that happened, but I want my other um to get a chance to speak to. Thank you, Giovanna. Um, Well, this is Vanessa. Um, I am loosely acquainted. Um, I know Giovanna from years of just uh, casual interaction on social media, and um, we've had a couple of kind of joint efforts. Um, but never really met before so um i had i personally lived in the bay area since nineteen eighty nine I didn't come out until two thousand four so um I've been to about i calculated about six bike marches, and the last one I've been to was in um 2012, and um, I, uh, there were a couple reasons for the gap in time, but one of them is is I got seriously injured at the last dike March that I went to. And um, so I'd stayed away, and in the meantime I'd moved more north. I'm in central, northern California now, so I'm out of the Bay Area. And um, there's not much of a lesbian community where I am and uh the Cherry and I were fairly new partners together and she came to California to live and we really wanted to experience Dyke March together. I wanted to show her what it was about, the pride that I remember feeling from being a part of it. Um The march itself was something that I had experienced as a really powerful uh, experience of solidarity of women, lesbians, and and one of the few places I'd have ever been where everywhere you look around you, just for a very short period of time, you know, a a couple hours one day out of the year, uh, where everywhere you look, there's another lesbian, another dyke marching next to you and with you and in power. And I wanted her to, to feel that in San Francisco and such a, uh, magical locus of, of the lesbian experience and history. So that was our intention. Uh, we did see Javon, Javon's, um, email. We have also sent out some queries just to some friends. I consider myself a fledgling. Well, at this point, not so much fledgling. Uh, radical Feminists And we sent out Hey, you know, anybody else want to join us? This is where we are located In California uh, Anybody wants to ride with us You're welcome to come And we really just wanted to You know, feel some sisterhood And and uh, represent a little bit And um, make sure that You know, that everybody that saw us And put eyes upon us knew that we were proud To be lesbians And so we we put out, calling, you know, hey, anybody want to join us? We really weren't hearing from anybody. So we made sure Giovanna knew, yeah, we're going to be in the area. It's about a four-and-a-half-hour drive for us. And we made up some signs the night before. Uh, we're, you know, individually. Sherry um, and I are together, and so we did our signs the night before. And my signs center on the social, cultural aspects of, um, and and I knew that there would be a lot of eyes on us, and I was not trying to be provocative, but I did want to make a statement, and mine said, on one side, um, change our society, not your body, and um, that was referring to the fact that a lot of female, lesbian, gender nonconforming youth feel in our day and age now a push, a pressure that if they feel that they are not a typically uh, conforming um, representation of femininity, then that must mean that they are trans. And my message was the opposite: that gender is a social construct. It's a, you know, it's an idea that society came up with in order to tell people how to be and what to wear and how to present themselves. And my sign meant, hey, you know, don't change yourself. Don't you don't have to do anything to yourself. You're perfect the way you are. Uh, let's change our society, not your body. That's exactly what I meant by that. The other side said, uh, the dangers of puberty blockers. And then I listed several of the dangers of puberty blockers. Uh, there are several serious health effects that are permanent and also, um, you know, unknown. And, you know, there's a lot of things we don't know about putting, uh, puberty blockers into children. And that's a particular concern of mine. And um and that's that's pretty much it. I that's what I was there for and, and that's what I intended to do. And we'll get a little bit more into what happened after Sherry makes her introduction. And thank you for having us, by the way. Yeah, thank you for visiting with W L R N. So go ahead, Sherry, introduce yourself and tell us how you came to be
4: involved with the Dyke March, or to march in the Dyke March in San Francisco on June 23rd.
9: Thank you, Thistle. Uh, this is Sherry, and it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I came to California in February from Texas. I, I lived there for quite a few years, uh, not really by choice, but I've been a radical feminist for many years. I went to a couple women's marches in January the last couple of years. There, We didn't have a dike march there, although I've always wanted to attend one. So I, I was excited about it, although my uh, take on it was a little different. Uh, I was optimistic, you know, that we would have the dike solidarity. But at the same time, I was prepared for uh, altercation, basically, because, you know, the San Francisco Public Library, not too long before that, had displayed a, an art exhibit by this uh Extreme trans group called the Degenderettes. Uh, these are people that basically advocate violence against any women that uh, are gender critical, calling us TERFs, calling us transphobes, Nazis. You know, the, the list is, you know, long, but they wear t shirts that say I punch TERFs with blood stain on it. They carry uh, baseball bats with barbed wire around them, and and the public library had all of this stuff on display. So basically they they were emboldened by this, you know, and and they've been taking over the Dyke March for years now and basically pushing lesbians, you know, to the side and and threatening and intimidating us. So I, I went there with that awareness, and I was prepared to make a stance you know, for, for lesbians, the Dyke March was created by Dykes for Dykes. And that is a, a lesbian, you know, a non, gender non-conforming lesbian. And, and like Vanessa said, you know, these, these young women and girls are, are being pressured to change their sex, which we know cannot be done. You know, XX chromosomes will remain XX, regardless of whatever bodily mutilation they do. And, and it's just so disturbing. So um, my sign was two-sided as well. On one side, it said, biology is not bigotry. And the other side was, you can't silence us with violence, resist the lesbian erasure. And like she said, we made these signs the night before. Uh, We weren't part of this initial discussion on, you know, what signs were appropriate or weren't, you know. And and I had my own take on it. I, I wasn't anticipating this group for one, you know, which, which came from all walks of life, like Giovanna said. Um, but I was there on a mission, Yeah, I'm not going to try to, you know, misrepresent that. Um, the first side of my sign, biology is not bigotry, was referring to the policing and redefining of our biological and anatomical, and anatomical terms, you know, that, that we used to describe ourselves as women. We were not even allowed to to call ourselves women, um, <laughs> really. You know, we're supposed to be cis women. We're we're supposed to be chest feeding and menstruators and all these other terms that they're making up for us. It's even, you know, coming down to misdiagnosing and mistreating in medical conditions because women aren't, you you know, trans women and and trans men, as they call themselves, are, are misrepresenting themselves. But anyway, um, the other side, changed um, you can't silence us with violence, resist lesbian erasure. It, it was referring basically to this um, more violent and menacing faction of the transgender movement, in particular the de- gendered, you know, who have campaigned against women and basically threatened, bully us, even physically attack us. So, yeah, we met Giovanna the day of the, the march, and... uh he had just finished her, her interview so we had to rush down to the bar station we met everyone there at the station I had the signs in black trash bags because I, I had a feeling that there was going to be some animosity I took them out of the bags when we were all collected there at the BART station showed everybody you know make sure everybody was on the same page and you know had their opportunity to not march with us if, if they didn't feel comfortable uh, Max Dash you and I had a nice conversation we all moved on to the march, and we started uh, right on time. But it wasn't very long before we, you know, started, after we started marching that the the one woman with the bullhorn started yelling out, you know, to tear down their signs and to go home. They all started chanting before long, hey, hey, ho, ho, transphobes, gotta go. And, and they kept doing that throughout the march. And it kept getting more and more aggressive. Vanessa and I were right in the middle of the, the march, basically, right right in the center of the crowd. And they, they became more and more aggressive. Um, I was knocked down three different times in the march. I, I couldn't see who it was, but they, they started bumping into us, and, and I was tripped. My sign was torn from my hands on, on three or four different occasions. Twice I ran after it and pulled it back, and another woman that we met at the march retrieved it once for me, too my partner Vanessa she she was repeatedly shouting out we're not violent we don't hate you we're just speaking for lesbian and children's rights my my sign kept getting more and more ripped out ripped up and I, and I kept holding it up even though it was ripped uh after the second time I got knocked down by somebody I got back on my feet and I I noticed a police officer and I yelled police twice uh he came over and he kind of like pushed everybody away so I was able to you know move forward now, um, as we continued marching, Vanessa was, uh, as we were getting more and more hostile, she started protecting me from behind, which I, I didn't realize because I was just, you know, keeping my eyes open for anybody else that was coming at me. But she was, she had, she was right behind me with her arms around me and holding on to my backpack. But I didn't know, uh, behind her there were, there was a trans activist that kept stepping on her heels for several blocks and eventually used her own hip to hip-bump Vanessa into the ground. Now, Vanessa was using a cane to walk. She had metal plates in her knees, and she has trouble walking long distances. So she actually attacked a, a woman with a physical disability. You know, Vanessa was saying, we're not violent, and then this woman actually said, we will be bitch, and and she got that on audio. Um, we, we've got some video coverage as well, but not of the actual attacks where we are speaking to the police. And we, you can see them all chanting and yelling at us in the background. Um, we kept going for, for you know most of the march, but a couple blocks from, from the end, after I'd been knocked down a third time, Matt had come up behind me at one point and put her arms around me, and I swung out thinking it was somebody else attacking me. And she was like, no, it's me, and I, I apologized. So she did come, you know, and intervene at one point. But by that time, you know, it was just really volatile, and we all made a group decision to get out of the march. So we went over to the side. We we were all speaking to the police, and we asked them for a police escort, which was a little hard to convince them to do because I think they were still in the mindset that we were the ones that were the aggressors, which was ridiculous. The majority of the group was, like, 50 and older. You know, we had women in their 60s and 70s. Obviously, we were not going to be aggressive to these young 20-somethings. You know, it was just ridiculous. But they they did end up having two police officers escort us several blocks down. We found pieces of Vanessa's ripped-up sign and mine along the way. And uh, we all met in a restaurant, um, had dinner, and we got out of there safely afterwards. Now, this uh, harassment continued after this.
8: I posted on Facebook a public post. I, can, I, can I interject? Can I interject something that was part of the, the end of the march that um, that I of witnessed? Course. Well, yeah. Um, when the march ended and we were all standing on the side and the the cops were talking to us, there was a group of vocal people still screaming at us. Um, you know, trans folks go home and turks go home, screaming. And I said to the police officer, can't you ask them to disperse? Because they were getting more and more livid in their vehemence, you know. And I said, can't you ask them to disperse? And the police officer said, oh, no, well, they have freedom of speech. <laughs> and he also he also thought that we actually, if we just talked to each other, we'd find that we have a lot in common. Right. And so it just showed us, you know, his lack of understanding of the issues that are at hand, I mean we're at our own dike march, and I kept reiterating, this is Dyke March, we're dykes, we belong here. You know they were telling us we, they were telling us to go home. who are the official organizers? Are there trans yeah. men you know so called yeah. um men who yeah. believe they are women or say they're women or whatever are there those Tims invol- involved in the organizing of the Dyke March? Yeah, there are. But the, yeah, the history of that Dyke March committee is that over time, there, I believe there have been fewer and fewer actual lesbians and more and more people identifying as women and as lesbians making decisions about the Dyke March. So, right, men, men who are you know, identifying as women and lesbians. The infiltration started a while ago. Right. That's correct. Okay. Well what I want to Then and then then it's really not the Dyke March. It's really not our no. march. And the were is you were crashing their party, right? I mean right. their party Because they already had the night before. Yeah. There's a joke amongst lesbians at this point that it's Dick March because That's we're clearly right. uh, not welcome, you know. Um And that's sad. You know, it's kind of a joke, but it's not. It's not a joke when we're not welcome in a environment and we're threatened with violence. So then, so then, what do we, what do we do? How can we create another march that actually is led by women that are lesbians? You know what I mean? Like, why is that so hard for that to happen? Why, why does it keep getting? you know, taken over and hijacked? That's well, a really let, me, let me make a, one point about um, the kind of the generational stuff around, because some of the people that were harassing us and attacking us were very young women. The ones that actually got physically violent with us were women. The other ones that were screaming were the men. The yeah. men were, you know, walking alongside them and screaming at us, but it was the actual women that got violent with us. And um, so there were, there was a generational element, too, which is that most of these um, folks were much younger than us. But as far as our group, there were older women in the group, but there were some young women in the group, too. So um, I'm hesitant to, to chalk it up to just generational, because I do know many young lesbians that are radical feminists That had they been there, they would have been marching in solidarity with us. Right. And, and this will speak to your question, what can we do? We've done a lot of kind of talking about that after the fact. What can we do? And part of what we know we've done is inspire other women to come out more in force. And that's what's going to have to happen. That's going to have to happen for us to take back what's ours is we have to insist and we have to be ready mm-hmm. to be confrontational when necessary and we can't do it with ten people. We need a lot of bodies and we need them to be just as angry and upset and and insistent on what's theirs as we were and then we can you know, then we can have a conversation about what well, needs to happen. We don't we don't want to fight violence is violence. That's not really what we want. We just want to be able to have some space for ourselves, you know? Exactly, exactly. And strategically, is it a step in the process of getting our own space, getting the L out? Is it a step in our process to go to these so-called psych marches and have a presence? Is that a strategy that's effective for our movement? Well, I think one of the one of the reasons I thought we better march this year and, and we better march in a group, uh, was because the, the nature of what's happening in, in recent years is that we are losing our lesbian spaces. We are losing our lesbian clubs and bars and any gathering spaces. And I knew this was the year. I had a feeling too that As far as the trans activist side, I felt that this was the year they decided they were going to take over all the dike marches, not just our march in San Francisco, but this was happening in Vancouver, this was happening in Baltimore. Throughout the country, there was a huge presence of trans activists at dike marches, and I do believe that whether it was coordinated or whether it was just the spirit of the time, there was a feeling that the trans activists, this was going to be the year they took over the dyke marches. And anybody, they were looking, it was almost like they were looking for targets. Anybody who had a different opinion, those women were going to get harassed and attacked.
7: To hear the full interview with Giovanna, Vanessa, and Sherry, go to WLRN's WordPress site and click on the Interviews tab. You'll hear them talk more about their connection with women in London and the insight they gained through having to grapple with violent attacks from fellow marchers at the San Francisco Dyke March.
2: So speak out, speak over, speak under, speak through the noise. Speak loud so I can hear you. I want to know you. I want to hear your real voice.
0: You are listening to WLRN.
4: Get the L out. Get the L out. Get the L out. Get the L out. Let's get the L out of here. It's time to get the L out of here. It's
1: time to get the L out of here. It's time to get the L out of here. Let's get
4: the L out of here. Yes, sisters. It's time to get the L out of the LGBTQWTF organizations and institutions that no longer respect us. Even our marches intended to demonstrate lesbian pride and visibility have been taken over by people who hate the L. If it weren't for male domination and male pattern violence in our society, there would be no problem aligning with men who are gay for the purpose of fighting homophobia in general. But we do not live in a society that views women as anything other than sex objects and servants to men and their families. So aligning with men of any sexual orientation is not going to work to further our safety and our cause of female freedom from male tyranny. The only thing that will save us is ourselves and our willingness to see ourselves as something different and separate from the class of males called gay and the class of people called bisexual and certainly the class of men who now identify as trans. Hear me and hear me good. Men who identify as trans and march on the streets at lesbian and pride parades are not in the same or similar category as lesbians especially the ones with baseball bats and ripped-up red painted stained t-shirts that say, I punch turfs. There are men who identify as women who do not engage in this behavior, of course, but the numbers of men who do engage in it are growing, and progressives and liberals continue to see this growth as something to go along with rather than for the misogyny, discrimination, and violence that it is against lesbians in particular, but really against any woman who questions transgender ideology. The social and political interests of men who identify as trans and women who identify as lesbians are in opposition. This is not to hate men, but rather to analyze and understand the culture of misogyny we all operate in, that impacts how things play out. Lesbians are women who do not desire sexual contact with men and straight men who identify as trans wish to be included by lesbians in our dating pool. If we don't, then we are thought of as intolerant bigots towards the men who wish to impose themselves upon us sexually by saying that they are us. Nope. The L stands alone. The L is its own thing separate from the world and power dynamics of men. This separation from the GBT alphabet soup is the only way we will regain our visibility and rights as a people. As a class of women who refuse to date men and who desire dating women or at least accept support are friends with and embrace women who are sexually involved with other women. You do not need to be sexually active with women to support lesbians and lesbian sovereignty. Vocally supporting lesbians means taking a stand against male entitlement and access to women's bodies. Heterosexual women gain in their rights when lesbian rights are upheld. Supporting the rights and sexual boundaries of lesbians means supporting the rights and sexual boundaries of all women. Heterosexual women benefit when lesbian rights are supported. This is the consciousness I wish everyone could understand because male dominance, unfairness, and discrimination against women as second-class citizens is real and very measurable. Even liberal feminists understand that women are paid less than men and that it isn't fair. Even liberal feminists understand that equality between the sexes has not been achieved. So what's the problem? Why can't our society allow lesbians to march with pride and in celebration of their part in the Rainbow Coalition, free of harassment and violence from men who say they are, quote, trans dykes, unquote, and the women who support them? I answer that question with another question. Why would any patriarchal society accept men as women other than to serve male power interests? What do men have to gain by being lesbians, according to progressive culture and media and police reports and laws? They have our bodies, physical safety, hearts, minds, and souls to gain, is the answer. This ideology of male equals female if I says it does is a ploy for complete access to the most, quote, disobedient women, the women who refuse to be part of the sex servant class to men. Make no mistake, lesbian feminists are the most feared and threatening kind of woman known to patriarchal society because not only do we keep ourselves away from men as their handmaidens, but we have an analysis of male power and a politics to go with it that intends for women to be truly accepted as full human beings with the rights and protections that guarantee our equal participation in society as full citizens. For example, take sports, something that doesn't seem to have much to do with pride parades and lesbian marches. The politics of transgenderism allow for men to compete in women's sporting events and win medals, scholarships, titles, trophies, and tournaments. If there was not this violent push in the streets disguised as progressive politics and accepted by liberal and democratic institutions such as the San Francisco Public Library, I can guarantee you regular women, regardless of their sexual orientation, would be organizing in protest against men competing with them in sporting events. I studied sociology in college and I have a master's degree in medieval Spanish literature and taught Spanish to undergraduates at the University of Michigan for five years. This background has helped me to think about and analyze power dynamics in our society that still leaves a lot hidden to the average liberal or progressive thinker out there. This is especially the case because there is an active and well-funded media blackout on getting our news out to average citizens most good well-intentioned people just cannot see yet what the problems are with transgender politics but hopefully that will change in the next few years and we will look back on this time period when society could not understand that the fight for civil rights of men to self identify as women is in fact harmful to the rights and protections of women I have at least dozens of locals in the Madison area who know who I am and wish I would just shut up and go, quote, live in the woods away from humans because you are just so disgusting and unsafe and hateful and bigoted, thistle, unquote. Madison institutions such as the Crystal Corner Bar, WORT 89.9 FM, Wisconsin Network for Peace and Justice, Common Ground, and the Wilmar Neighborhood Center have stood by members of the Degenderates, a very scary male supremacist group that has chapters and members all over the country, including in my hometown. The silencing of women and feminist analysis keeps good people in the dark about what is actually happening to the rights of girls and women. Our culture is so misogynistic that violent male supremacists can increase in their power and intimidation of women who do not toe the party line male abusers flip the narrative to claim that women like me are the aggressors for provoking violence against men who self-ID as women for the record i have never threatened violence against any man ever whether he identifies as trans or not i have never threatened violence against any woman either i have never harassed anyone targeted anyone's place of employment trying to get them fired nor have i sent human feces in the mail to anyone I have never used acts of intimidation like that on anyone, ever, at any time. But sisters, all of what I just described has happened to me. I wish being quiet and just not talking about this stuff would make the violence stop and I could just live my life in peace again, but our silence will not protect us. I wish to thank my WLRN sisters for their continuing solidarity and material support as I navigate how to recover from being so hotly pursued by the ideology of, quote, trans dykeness in Madison and beyond. Please speak out, speak over, speak through the noise, and speak loud so I can hear you. I want to know you. I want to hear your real voice. I want to hear your real voice. We need each other, and we need to get the L out now more than ever.
0: Thanks for listening to WLRN's 31st edition podcast on queer backlash against lesbians. I'm Jenna. The WLRN YouTube channel is in development, and we'd love to get your pictures and images to co-create beautiful videos of all of our podcasts. If you're interested in participating in this project, please send an email to wlrnewscontact at gmail.com. Just put in the subject line, WLRN Podcast Videos, and we can roll up our sleeves together and start making videos that will be cherished by our feminist community for years to come.
1: WLRN would like to thank our guests this month for sharing their views on lesbian activism against lesbian hatred. This is Julia Beck. Thanks for tuning in.
5: If you like what you are hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the donate button check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation as well. In addition, if you are interested in joining our team, we are always looking for new volunteers to conduct interviews, write blog posts, post to our Facebook and other social media pages, and do other tasks to keep us moving forward as a collective of media activist women. Thanks for listening. This is
3: April Mill, signing off for now. And I'm Natasha. Thanks for tuning in. Next month, we will focus our program on solidarity and sisterhood. Our handcrafted podcasts always come out the first Thursday of the month, so look for it on Thursday, December 6th. If you'd like to receive our newsletter that notifies you when each podcast, music show, and interview is released, please sign up for our newsletter on the WLRN WordPress site. Stay strong in the struggle, and thanks for listening.
7: This is Sekhmet she signing off on another edition of WLRN's monthly handcrafted podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and SoundCloud, in addition to our WordPress site. Thanks for listening. Until next time, over and out.
4: And this is Thistle Pettersen signing off for now. Our monthly podcasts are always crafted with tender, loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. Thanks for your support. We would love to hear from you, so please share, like, and comment widely.
2: patriarchal kiss how will we find what needs to be shown and then after that where is home tell me